Hello, and welcome to The Consumer VC. I am your host, Mike Gelb, and on this show, we talk about the world of venture capital and consumer-facing startups. I started hosting AMA Office Hours with past guests on the show. It was such a pleasure having an office hour with Jason Schumann, who's a principal at Primary Ventures. This episode is a few snippets from his office hour, which was a couple weeks ago. Please note that the sound quality on these AMAs won't be as high as other episodes since they were recorded as single tracks. With all that being said, without further ado, here's Jason. Thanks so much, Mike. And thanks for doing this, first of all. And thanks for uh, your podcast is awesome. It's cool to see that um, from that perspective. And Jason, thanks for doing this too. <laughs> really appreciate it from, from this side of the table. Um, so my name is Jeff Walsh, founder of a company called Illuminate Inc. Um, we create physical products that keep um, food and beverages warm for food delivery and for to-go coffee. And it's different than anything else because they're sleeves and mm. you don't pour the, flu- the food or the, or the liquid in. Um, so they don't get dirty and uh, they also will keep food uh, sealed in the entire delivery and it's trackable through an app. Sorry for my uh, 30 all second elevator pitch. No, 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 um, and so, um, yeah, so we're in the middle of, we're in the middle, we're in the beginning of doing a seed, a seed round now. And um, I actually got, I, the furthest I've gotten so far is with one investor who said that they don't need a round, <laughs> um, which doesn't really give you very much traction. I found with other investors because um, you still have to find the lead. Investor. So, mm-hmm. any advice on that? And, um, you know, any advice on doing pitching now, you know, with COVID going on, everything mm-hmm. that's happening uh, socially? It's, you know, it's been an interesting ride, um, all the momentum going into uh, March and then everything that's happened since. So, you, you, uh, and you're, and you're mostly, you're mostly direct to consumer or, or B2B? So, yeah, we're, <laughs> we're both actually. So, okay. On the B2B side, it would be the food delivery items. Um, we're looking yeah. to get into like, you know, the, you know, those major delivery companies, right? And then yeah. B2C on the, uh, on the coffee sleeve to, uh, you know, for, yeah. and also B2B for that too, B2B to C. Cool. And last quick question for you. Like, um, how, how long does the product last before you feel like people are gonna have to replace it? Um, we have a three year, at least a three year cycle on it. Um, we have prototypes built for the coffee, for the beverage sleeves. Um, mm-hmm. And again, this is with the, the prototype developer, right? We don't have the, okay. uh, the manufacturer, but um, we've gotten a one-year guarantee from them on the build uh, with the three-year. Um, the thing that might give out is the battery, and we're going to make it so that the battery uh, can be swapped cool. out. So Makes sense. Uh, and, and actually, last, last question. How much are you trying to raise? Um, that's another question. That would be question two. Was <laughs> um, the full ask would be a million and a half, um, cool. and I, I just, I you know, I don't know what the the, the shock value is between saying five hundred k and a million and a half. So yeah, so I mean, I, look, I think in, in in short, as far as like my advice on finding a lead, it's like go go make a list of firms that only lead, and and those are the first people you should be talking to. I mean, th- like you got to go ahead and and do your research on the back end. There's resources like. NFX, for instance, has a uh, has a database of, of VCs. There's lots of databases out there. I think there's like VC Wiz. Um, 
you can Google other companies that you respect, you know, call it, um, I don't know, like, like, a, like a Yeti coolers or, yeah. you know, all these other ones. And you can look up who on Crunchbase, who invested in them right. and, you know, and, and who, and usually on Crunchbase, it says who was the lead investor. And you can also look on their site and they'll, they'll most, most VCs will tell you. Uh, so you want to go after those lead investors and you want to get them across the line. And at the end of the day, like fundraising is all about like minimizing the amount of no's, having a really good narrative and like storytelling and then driving and creating FOMO. Like if you can do those three things, you're in really good shape because people talk all the time and you don't want them like saying, Oh, I pass on this deal. I pass on this deal. Da, da, da. Right. You really want to be able to tell it. And, and, and especially in your guys' world. And I, I want to stress this a lot on the call. A lot of people are really doubtful on, CPG right now and like consumer products more broadly speaking, because it's very hard to get venture type returns. You know, we have a hundred million dollar fund. If we own 10% of a, of a company, we need them to exit for a billion dollars in order to even return the fund one time over, which is what we need to do. So you either need to like go for massive, massive swings if you're going to own 10% or you need to be super, super disciplined on price and be able to own like 30% of those things. And I think that's a big key when you guys think about your businesses and who you're fundraising from. And that leads me to my next point, which is, you know, you, you may be going to VCs right now. Those may not be the best investors for you. What you may want to go do is go pitch, you know, family offices specifically or entrepreneurs that have, that have worked in your space who have connections and maybe they want a slightly better deal than the VCs would be willing to pay if you're able to get them over the line. But at the end of the day, the value add may be there and they may be patient capital. Um, so that's that's a big thing, I think, is like making sure you're talking to the right investors and like don't ever just like go create a list in, you know, overseas with the remote assistant and do no research because that's just putting you in a really, really bad spot. And it's going to waste a lot of your time and your time is your most precious resource. Um, the next thing is, I think, as far as uh, like. The, the storytelling component, the reason I was asking you about your business, mm -hmm. you know, VCs are very timid when it comes to products that are one-off purchases right now. I mean, I, I think if you were to look at companies valued over a billion dollars in the consumer products world, they almost all are companies that have high repeat, high velocity. They're consumables companies like P&G and Unilever. It's companies like Amazon that sell a lot of consumables. You know, Yeti coolers may be the only one I can think about that people aren't buying like multiple times a year that that is uh, worth as much as they're worth off the top of my head. Um, mm -hmm. So I think like if you if, if another way to like counter argue what I'm talking about is to have distribution channels that represent that repeat purchase and represent that order velocity. So thinking in a more omni channel fashion instead of D to C or going just purely B to B is definitely the way that I would think about going. Uh, I guess one of one of I, I'm, I'm sure this is pretty top of mind for founders, and, and, and maybe we cover this a little bit, but um, just kind of more maybe directly with COVID, are you are you finding a harder time finding conviction with founders since you're meeting with them remotely? Um, yes and no. It's funny. I, I, I was just talking about this with a friend this morning. Uh, I think I'm having trouble like. I think a lot of people are in their own heads about like where their conviction bar is in a few ways. Um, one, you know, we're paid to take risk, but we're not paid to take dumb risk. So I think when you're, when you're thinking about what markets you're going to be placing bets in, you know, how much risk is there if there's a second wave or a third wave, or we don't have a vaccine for a year and a half, or we don't have a vaccine for three years. I, I, I don't have a crystal ball, 
but like I'm not sure that I want to take risks in markets where like that is a a huge huge thing that's going to hang over my head especially like me as you know a principal like I I don't want to lose my shirt on stuff uh that that maybe I could have easily avoided and you know you may be risking look, not looking like a genius if it works but who knows I think when it comes to meeting with founders we're I mean we've given up three term sheets since this whole thing started but we've done more early deals like pre-seed like deals than seed deals and the reason being is that the pre-seed like deals are going to have the ability to build and take longer to go to market um you know maybe kind of starting things out on the other end of this thing and we'll also have enough reserves where we can double down and we can give them more money and lead their seed um but it is hard to judge founders purely over zoom and like you know, you guys not only need to bring your A game, you know, in terms of what you're saying, but you need to bring your A game in terms of your energy and the way that you're going to like really get your personality across. And uh, Zoom is very tiring. I will say like, I can't do Zooms all day long anymore. Like it just doesn't work in the afternoon. Like I tend to be a little bit slower now and do less Zooms. I'm doing more calls, but if we're doing a pitch, I'll do a Zoom. And if I'm doing a call with an investor or like a person recruiting for a portfolio company, like, Oh, that's going over the phone now. Got it. Thank you. Yeah. No, that makes sense. I, I had on a, a last, the last episode I released was with uh, Connie Machabella uh, from yeah. Kindred. And, and, and he was saying that um, he was like, the problem with Zoom is like, for example, like eye contact, something very simple as eye contact. Like if I meet you in person, um, and you don't look at me, I kind of, then it might just be something, something that's like, just like, you know, you just, that's just how you behave. But if I don't see like your eye contact on zoom, that, um, how do I know you're not like looking at, you're, you're just distracted or, or really not focused or, you know, looking at something else. Uh, so it's like, that part is hard because there's, you know, founders that just don't like do eye contact, which is totally, you know, okay. In terms of like, you know, just that's like their, um, that is how they learned with the personality, but it's just harder to like capture that on zoom. If that makes sense. It harder makes about a thousand percent sense. Like talk to me about like some of like the learnings that you did that you had of like as an entrepreneur, when you started like your, uh, when you started your uh, shoe company originally. Man. <laughs> uh, I don't know if we're going to fit all this in 50 minutes. Um, so i'll break it down into a few different things uh i'm going to start with team i think team is the most important thing at the end of the day the quick lesson i will give everybody here is you don't know a talent until you've seen a talent so i went to you know i grew up in, in outside of boston but i wasn't in the heart of boston and in the tech scene there i then went to college at the university of miami and like what tech scene is down there i mean like they, they have a little bit of a tech scene but at the end of the day, the experienced growth people on customer acquisition for direct-to-consumer brands were not in Miami. They were in New York and they were in San Francisco. And, you know, the, the UX UI designers, you know, those people that have actually run massive scale tests, you know, th those people weren't in Miami. They were in New York and San Francisco. And, and, you know, when you, at the end of the day, you can be sitting there as an entrepreneur and like for me and, 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 you know, look, I started the company with my best friends and my brother and like, I absolutely love them to death. I think we can all look back eight years ago and say like, no, it wasn't a super strong team. Like, and, and, and relatively speaking, even more so now that I'm older and I've now met a lot of folks that are ridiculously talented at what they do. I can say like, you don't know a talent until you've seen a talent. And I would say, you know, the, the entrepreneurs that, that I've met that are the, that end up becoming the most successful are the ones that, 
grind it out and they go out and they meet people and they're hunting and they're like thirsty for knowledge. Their curiosity is off the charts and they will find a way to the best people. And like, that's like how you get exposed to those types of people. So that's one on the team side, on the manufacturing side, like always have a freaking backup, like diversify your supply chain. I got screwed like multiple times. Um, we manufactured in China and the Dominican Republic and Mexico. I was looking at places in El Salvador, but like literally I missed Christmas my, my first year in business because our manufacturer essentially like booted us out uh, because they had too many orders from one of their other larger brands. So you got to think about the fact that like most of the manufacturers are going to be going and trying to work with, they may say like, oh yeah, we're always going to take good care of you and you're going to get a relationship. And you know, there, but at the end of the day, when, when Sperry comes and places an order that is 100 times or 200 times, you know, your boat shoe company, they're going to make room for Sperry and not you. Um, so that's another one. And then I think, you know, on the product side, like talk to your customers, like everybody needs to like first time entrepreneurs, there's two mistakes they make oftentimes that I see. One is they don't talk to their customers enough about product. And two is they don't think about distribution enough. So on the distribution side, it's like figure out growth, figure out customer acquisition, be super thoughtful about A-B testing. And like what you really need to do is have a framework for creating hypotheses that you can go out and pressure test. And when you're wrong, it's okay but you want to be wrong quickly and then figure out what the next hypothesis is. So then you can get to that next step. Wanted to talk as well about like um, what, what you think is maybe the most vulnerable part in maybe like the commerce stack, like um, in any, in e-commerce or just like whether it's returns or just like your, I guess you like your general thoughts of like, like the specific uh, things that you think that, 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 there, that, that, that there's going to be disruption over the next few years. Yeah. Um, it's a really good question. I mean, I think the first wave of it was the infrastructure clearly around like the, the platform side, like sh clearly like Shopify, you know, is an incredible company. Um, you know, 50% of Shopify's revenue though is also from payments and Shopify in a lot of ways is a lot like a venture fund because, you know, they get all of these brands on the platform, but they have a ridiculously high churn rate. But companies like Kylie Cosmetics, for instance, generate a ton of revenue for them because they stay on the Shopify platform. And that's super helpful. I think you're starting to see the hyper verticalization, though, of platforms like Shopify, where, you know, now there is a, a, a platform for uh, fitness instructors and a platform for I mean, look at what's the one that's uh, that's been taking off uh, ever, ever since COVID hit. Um only fans, you know, like things like that. Like there's, there's just going to be platforms for everything. Teachable, you know, is helping teachers sell their courses. So I think more and more of those are going to pop up and that's going to be a good place to live, not only from the SaaS revenue perspective, um, or maybe it's like a net take rate off GMV, but the payments revenue gets valued in public markets differently and by acquirers differently. And I think that's really where you want to be living. Um, number two, you know, the first wave, the other wave that was really important was on like the email service provider side of things. I mean, you know, we have a company called BounceX in our portfolio that that's done quite well. There's other companies out there like Clavio. I mean, I'm sure everybody here knows MailChimp. Those companies did really well. And then now you have a company like Attentive, which is here in New York, that's killing it on like the SMS side. And I think that that's really interesting. Um, you know, as far as like the more nuanced parts of the stack, you know, delivery is, is an absolute behemoth market. I, I'm curious to see how Amazon plays it versus Shopify versus like some of the smaller players. I mean, you have a company like Bond that's, you know, kind of got a lot of momentum behind them. 
There's a lot of analytics companies popping up. I have a feeling though, that a lot of that stuff's going to get commoditized personally. Uh, I mean, you have companies like um, ClearBank that are open sourcing a lot of that stuff to our companies. Um, and, and and then there's also the bigger question around like the long tail, the long tail on Shopify is super big, but how big is the meat of Shopify that can pay real SaaS dollars for an analytics platform? So, I, and, and I don't really know the answer to that. It, it's, We've had question marks around that TAM for a while now, um, but we'll, we'll see, I think, where it goes ultimately. But returns and returns is an interesting one, but I think, you know, there's a couple of companies out there, uh, Returnly, Loop, um, so on and so forth, that'll be fun to, to watch kind of duke it out over the coming years as, uh, as e-commerce penetration rates go up. And there you go. I hope you enjoyed this one. You can also check out Jason's full episode. It's number 25 if you enjoyed this one. Have a great weekend.